Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast with me, Simon Cardi, and this week, Dale Driver is here. Hello, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? December's here. Um, yeah, cold, but, you know, surviving. Well, that will happen in December in Britain. <laughs> Emma, what's the temperature like in your room currently? It is freezing. I've got a blanket on my lap, like an old person, so I'm feeling the cold today. <laughs> I just want to clarify, my room's not cold, just cold oh, okay. in, outside. Like My room's nice and toasty, it's all good. I've got the radiator blazing, so we're Have good. You. So I've got it off at the moment, because I don't want to turn my room into a sauna, because, you know, who wants You've got that? the sun shining, I can always see in your morning meeting, you've got the sun glaring into your room, I haven't you? I do, sometimes that's very annoying. Um, it isn't actually glaring, because there's a lot of you know, cloud today, so I don't know, you know. Maybe that glow's just, have you ever thought that glow's just coming from me? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Not possible. We've got, we've got some things to talk about this week. I think it's all pretty much film, so I'm sorry if you're into games this week. You know, there'll be a bit of that in the feedback section, but we kind of, you know, there's not really a lot of new games to play because it's yeah. Halo time, and I'm sure we'll talk about Halo next week, but the only game I've really been playing at the moment is halo infinite multiplayer so i don't know about you guys what, what have you been playing i've been putting a surprising amount of time into gta despite the issues i can't <laughs> it's, it's a great nostalgia trip like and i've finished mm-hmm. vice city and i've moved on to san andreas but i think i'm gonna give it a break for a bit and then maybe come back to it because i'm you're, that formula you're not going for those plots uh no <laughs> <laughs> just finish the story like i started doing some of the extra side stuff and i was like nah don't, I don't really fancy that. But I'm also like planning this weekend, me and Jesse are going to play through It Takes Two, which is a game that both of Ooh. us started with our partners and both our partners just stopped playing left with you. us. They both left you. Yeah, yeah so we're finally going to do it. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Yeah. You'll enjoy it because that is undoubtedly one of the game in the years. It came out very early this year, but I hope people don't forget it because mm. it's absolutely brilliant. Emma, what have you been playing? I've been playing quite a lot of uh, Vanguard multiplayer. I've been getting oh, into okay. It's pretty good. Have you tried Halo at all, or are you deep in COD? I've so- I tried Halo for a bit, but I think while I like Halo and I did have a lot of fun, mm-hmm. especially in like the odd oddball mode. Um, is it oddball? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, that's that's the best one I think. I like that mode. Yeah, um, I'll play like, play maybe like an hour of Halo and then switch to Vanguard after. I think that's I just fair. Prefer, are, you, are you all like, about the? You just like the quick time to kill. You just like to kill. That's what we've learned here. Yeah, I'm just I'm just a beast. I'm just running around the map. I think that is what everyone who assists this podcast has done. Do you know what, Emma? She, she's a beast. Absolutely. I'm a beast. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we go on and talk to, uh, talk about some of the films that we've been watching? We've got a right mixed bag here from real high arts and nostalgia to, I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to belittle what Emma's watched this week, but I don't think many of us would call it high art. But we'll no. see. We'll see. Maybe we're wrong. We may get the most glowing review of the year from Emma on her secret film she watched um <laughs> but let's just say emma's getting in the christmas spirit um oh, yeah. i'm gonna kick things off though by talking about west side story because that is out next week i believe on the 10th of december and 
you don't know what West Side Story is, here's a brief history. It was a musical written in, I believe, 1957. The film was made, the original, in 1961. And now Steven Spielberg has made, not really, you know, it is kind of a remake of the original film, but it's more, it's an adaptation of that stage musical. So it's kind of like a blend of both of those. And the story of West Side Story is essentially the story of Romeo and Juliet. I'm not really going to spoil it, but... It doesn't quite end how Romeo and Juliet ends, but well, spoilers. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Um, <laughs> what for? A, for a what? A, what? Five hundred year old play? Yeah, I could you spoil Romeo and spoil Juliet it, for people though, if they want. So. Um, but it is a musical, and it is maybe you know it's up there as maybe the most beloved musical of all time. It's definitely one is of it? my favourite musicals. I, know, so I, I would I, say so. I know you like it, and so, I know, like yeah. I'm only halfway, but I. I didn't realise it was so high up. So I think, it. like, I mean, it won. I think it won something like ten Oscars when it came out. It was unbelievably loved at the time, and it's still kind of now. I think I would say beloved film musicals. Maybe on stage, something like Les yeah, Mis yeah. or The Phantom of the Opera or something has more. I don't know. I'm not a theatre person. More loved but, than Grease. I, I think it. <laughs> mo- Do you know what? It's probably played less popularly, but you know, I. To me, it's definitely one of my favorite musicals. It's a lot of people's favorite musicals. So there was kind of, I was going into Spielberg's adaptation of it, kind of very excited because it's Steven Spielberg making West Side Story, which sounds incredible, but also wary because I'm like, oh, this is, it's already kind of a perfect film to begin with. So it's like, why were you doing this? But I'm very happy to report that this film is absolutely brilliant. I guess I see the value more in remaking Mm -hmm. musicals. Like new, it's yeah. like new performances, and for a new, it's for a new generation to mm-hmm. experience the music. And that's yeah, because the original is fantastic. It's dated a little, but I think part of the charm why I love the original so much is because it has that old sort of like Technicolor, like grand, like sixties Hollywood look to it, and like it's just like some like iconic songs but of course they bring those into the new one and they kind of fix some of the errors of the original which you know at the time like nowadays is a bigger issue than it was then because obviously the the main the crux of the story of west side story is that you have the two gangs the jets and the sharks the jets are kind of the white gang who kind of were born in new york kind of a mixture of italian american and irish american white men and then you have the sharks who are the puerto ricans who have recently immigrated to new Mm. york and it's kind of the tension between those two gangs problem with the original is a lot like members of the puerto rican community in that film you know the lead uh, maria who is kind of the lead actress in that uh, lead role in that film was played by natalie wood who is very much just a white american woman (laughs) you had um the lead member of the sharks gang who was played by a greek man like they didn't you know Whereas these days, you know, every role is played by someone from the Hispanic community. And it really does help that film because there's large portions of the film that are just... And I was surprised about it. Kind of, you don't you realise how much you don't really need it. You can tell a lot from acting just for how people act. That There's quite a bit of spoken dialogue in this film that is just pure Spanish. Right. And okay. not subtitled. So you just oh. kind of have to, like... You're just kind just of like... But you can tell actions. what they're saying. Yeah. yeah, they kind of go in and out of English and Spanish, you know, but... You know, I can I appreciate that, and I like that Spielberg has just gone. I don't want to just remake this. I want to put my own spin on it, and that's exactly what he does. And mm. it's just I like. I don't know. It's hard to talk about West. Like what hasn't been till spoken about West Side Story before? It's is absolutely it, fantastic. I've not been following much. Is Spielberg yeah. actually directing it, or is he like an executive producer? No, he's director. He's like okay. fully like this is a real passion project for him. Obviously, he's you know arguably the most 
successful director of all time. Um, mm. He's never made a musical before. This is something he's think it's a challenge he wanted to do at this point in his career. Awesome. And West Side Story is like he said, like one of the most beloved films. He he remember what he remembers watching. I think when he was ten years old. Right at the end of the film, it says for Dad. I think it's a very personal yeah. film for him. He like he wanted to do this and. Yeah, like all credits to him, he's absolute. Who am I to doubt Steven Spielberg? He he's pulled it off. <laughs> yeah, like he has he has a tendency to do that, doesn't he? Is there anything yeah. he hasn't done? Any other genres he hasn't done? Is he done? Has he done a he, western? Uh, has he done a western? I don't think he has. Mm, no, I can't think of one. He needs to he, he needs to keep going for these new genres. Like yeah, not I mean, what point? else? Is he done? I suppose he has kind of done rom-coms in a way, like yeah. built into things. That's the thing. I was thinking horror, but then he's like, well, he's got horror elements. Well, Jaws is horror, <laughs> you know, I suppose. Yeah, some would yeah. say. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, I bet there's not much he hasn't touched, to be fair. Like, and I feel like the last, what, 10, 15 years of Spielberg has been a bit more hit or miss. Like it hasn't been, you know, yeah. from like 1975 to ni- to 2000, he was pretty much untouchable. Mm. And... Then you know he's gone. He's gone up and down. He's had like things like Tintin and Bridge of Spies, oh, and yeah. like War, was it War? Did he do War Horse? Uh, did do War Horse? Yes, yeah. and like the BFG, like all these, yeah. and Ready Player One. Kind of these odd these films that you know aren't necessarily odd for him, but you're like they're not quite what we'd come to expect from Spielberg. But now, yeah. like this is full on, like you know, it's it's unbelievably good. I will say it does obviously star Ansel Elgore who does have allegations against him you can read up we won't dwell too much on that here but like you can read up about that yourselves he's not you know and it is it is unfortunate because you're watching the film and in the back he's meant to be this like really charming romantic lead he's not because he has all the charisma of a piece of wood but um you're just watching it again this is unfortunate because yeah it's just it's a stain against it unfortunately but it's like the way they reimagined some of the songs is so good. Like they kind of place a couple of the songs in different parts of the story and okay. give them to different people. And like, there's this real connection with the original that I loved as well. So you've got Rita Marino who plays a role in the original. He's kind of like the best friend of Maria and she's in the modern version, but as a new character. So right. they've kind of got that link to the past. Nice. It's not a Zelda okay. film, but you know, um, <laughs> Yeah, I just. Do they have any new I songs would, in it, or is it just like sticking no, no. to the source material? So they they stuck completely to the original songs and didn't change any of the lyrics. I mean, Stephen Sondheim wrote it, who unfortunately died last week. So, like, like it's the most well written musical, I think, like lyrically anyway. And yeah, it's, I would just, I would, uh, yeah, I would urge everyone to go see it at the cinema just because it's just you don't rarely do you get a film like this to watch anymore like a two and a half hour long just like all income all intoxicating like musical of this scale like <laughs> i love it so much and i know you know musicals aren't for everyone but no. i i happen to love them but yeah you sold me on the word intoxicating it's yeah, not a word i use go. very often to be fair <laughs> yeah but it's like you've got some absolute bangers we've got i'm sure we'll play one at the end today but i'm sure everyone knows america you've got tonight which is maybe the mo- I, i'd say america's maybe the most famous but tonight's in there you've got i feel pretty you've oh, got i know that one the yeah. jet song you know I, I love it i just love it there we go okay. anything else you want to know about west side story feel free to ask when's it out Next week, I believe, the 10th of December, it oh. is out. It's a great Christmas film. 
isn't it? You know, it's not set at Christmas, but it's kind of like I always like to watch like big like musicals or big like classic feeling films around Christmas. So yeah. I feel like this fits perfectly. Yeah, Lovely. there we go. Go see West Side Story. We're gonna talk now about the Beatles again because. Last week I spoke a bit about it. I'd only seen part one. And do you know what? I was a little too negative on it because yep. <laughs> because I I enjoyed it, don't get me wrong, but I, do, I, I, I still stand by it. I still feel like the first part is good, not great. Like it's a little... And I think mainly my issue with part one is um, they're kind of not enjoying themselves. Whereas mm-hmm. in part two and three of the Beatles Get Back, no spoilers, they're kind of together writing their music, recording it and having a good time together. And that's what I wanted to see. And I know, you know, they're obviously showing the true story. It wasn't 100% a happy place at all times. No. But yeah, I know, Dale, you, you were absolutely to the point. I think the word you used was overwhelmed by this. Yes. Like um, almost overwhelmed because it felt like something I would never see. Because it feels so mm-hmm. long ago now that it's a part of history that you would only like read about and see glimpses of, and the fact that they've sat on, they've had this for so long, and now it's finally come to fruition. It felt like I was privileged to be able to watch this. Like I, it it was basically put together. Obviously, it's heavily edited because there was like sixty hours of footage, but it feels like you're watching raw footage a lot of the mm-hmm. time, and that. I've I've sat in on things where I've seen raw footage before and it often feels like a privilege, you know, like in that sort of position. So yeah, the I found the whole thing to just be so surreal, but so like engaging. Like every, what you just mentioned about the first part, I can mm. absolutely understand what you're saying, but I never had that feeling either. Mm-hmm. And normally like, you know, my job is to, you know, keep things tight, get things like, you know, clear messages and don't waste any time with faff. That's, you know, part of my job. But this felt like the only occasion ever, perhaps, where I didn't care about that stuff. I just wanted to see these raw conversations, these raw feelings, seeing things that are only a moment in time for these people right then, but mm-hmm. have ultimately just insane legacy going forward. When you just see um, Paul McCartney just just playing a few little notes from what will eventually be like the Long and Wine Road on the piano, and he's just having a conversation at the same time. And yeah. yeah the music he's playing they're acting like it's nothing <laughs> it's yeah, just... i know what you mean like to begin with i was like oh can we get this moving lads but by the end of it yeah i was fully on board i was like oh, i just want more like when it finished mm. i was so sad i was just like i feel like i'd lost some friends that i'd been yes. <laughs> seeing for ages and like i can't see them anymore it I was agree. really weird i agree completely <laughs> i was um almost disappointed at the end that we didn't go on to structuring the differences, what songs go on Let It Be, or like When's mm-hmm. Abbey Road made, like all like distinguishing all those details. But then also narratively, the rooftop stuff, it was their last ever performance as well. It makes mm-hmm. sense to sort of conclude there. And then I love what they did with the credits as well, like playing out the the last few recordings that they did in that yeah. session through the credits. And like also the foresight those people had, the production company to be like and it is very expensive to film back then as well and to do mm-hmm. all this filming and then also set up that when you look at it now is not conspicuous at all but that hidden camera what they have <laughs> in the lobby to re- yeah. like in the anticipation that the police were going to sh- try and shut them down and to mm-hmm. catch all that conversation all that realness see all these multiple angles of people on the street i just thought like yeah. especially the last hour or so was just like phenomenal watching like glued I mean, to just- it. I know they've got a job to do, and obviously they have to listen to complaints. But imagine being that policeman that has to go tell the Beatles to be quiet. Oh, like, yeah. I just like 
imagine if you were the biggest Beatles fan in the world. I'd just be standing up there for as long as I could be and like, oh, should we just wrap this up, maybe? Yeah. Uh, but as, as as quietly as I can say it, just be like, I told them. I did tell them. Um, but that but, that yeah. rooftop performance is something that's, you know, like, it's part of, like, actual like, British music legacy, right? It's so, like, mm-hmm. I grew up hearing, I saw it, grew up seeing it parodied in The Simpsons and things like that. And it's just like an, such an iconic moment. And then you see this raw footage of people who are just on the street doing about their, going about their normal day at work. And they're like, mm-hmm. what's that racket up there? Then there's old men saying, oh, just, you know, people are trying to work here. Tell them to shut it down. I was like, yeah. you oh, don't so know what, yeah, what you're missing right now. It's I like always one of those iconic like, moments. Things from like the 60s and 70s and like, times like that when they just interview random people on the street. Because you don't realise how subconsciously these days people are used to being filmed and on camera like if you get a fox pop or like talk to anyone on the street these days they're kind of used to talking to their phone or like they'll be like oh hi yeah yeah i'm good like people like look so nervous and don't know what to say when they're like see a camera point in their face like like they go like do you know you're listening to and most people just like i think it's the Beatles, is it (laughs) (laughs) i guess like like, um I, i think i'm right in saying like most people not most people but a lot of people didn't have televisions in, at that point, maybe I'm not sure about. Hey, well, that, we were on the cusp, yeah. Yeah, like so, a lot of people might not have ever experienced that. Where now you grow up with like that is just mm-hmm. it's the language of film, right? And everyone understands the basic principles yeah, of it. But, but it's just oh, it's yeah, mesmerising the whole thing. thing. And I think I was talking to Jesse about it, and we had a chat the other day, and he was asking if he would get. He wants to watch it, but I was like, honestly, I don't know what you would get out of the experience. I think you would enjoy. Mm. watching the craft of art right but you don't go into it with the knowledge of like you don't have 20 years of that art being burned into your brain so you might not be able to pick up like for me the endlessly fascinating thing was watching them come up with lyrics um Mm -hmm. because you know what the final lyrics are yeah yeah and watching them wrong what you did get into that stage it's just like fascinating to watch Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, actually, is there anything that, like, kind of surprised you that you maybe didn't know about the Beatles that, like, you were surprised to see actually in the in Get so, Back? So, yeah, I've seen, a well, I've seen a lot of people saying this. I don't know if I completely agree, because I kind of always got the idea that Paul McCartney, especially in the latter days, was the leader, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, like, they really showcase in this document how much he has to take charge yeah. all the time. Like, and yeah. that's something I, mean, I, I thought was a little bit more collaborative than that. The things that surprised me is that, like, just how ridiculously young they are. In that whole that series, George Harrison is 25 years old. Oh it is <laughs> just looking at him. Like, A, it's sickening to have that much talent in you at that age and already have had the best music career anyone's ever had. Yeah. And then just, he looks about 40. Yeah, they do I know old, they've all, they? I, knew they've, I know they've all lived a lot in, like, the space of four years there. But, yeah. like, look, it's, it's ridiculous. Heavy. And, yeah, when he just turns up... And like I think something by the Beatles is maybe like that is arguably my favourite song one of ever. One like of by best. anyone. Mm. Like when he just turns up and he's like, Yeah, I've been working on this for ages and he just he starts playing you're like, Oh my god, it's something and then you just we talk about the lyrics and he just says, I love you like a pomegranate. I'm like, That yeah. what are you like that was the original <laughs> lyric to that to the most beautiful song I've ever heard. He's talking about pomegranates. That's <laughs> like, that's that's always the way. Like Paul McCartney's a very famous story he said about when he wrote yesterday, he just the lyrics were originally about his breakfast, what he had that morning. Yeah. Because yeah. he couldn't think of lyrics. He all he had was a melody in his head. It's like yeah, it's just fascinating to watch. There's also like Emma, have you watched it? No, I haven't. Okay. So, like, I'm interested. Like, I like the Beatles, but I'm not like the biggest fan. So, okay. I'm interested mm-hmm. to see. Like, is it worth me? I'm not sure. It? Like, it's hard. Like, I think 
for anyone who like obsessively listened to Abbey Road and Let It Be as a kid or growing up, it's a must watch, like without fail. But mm-hmm. anyone out, like if you're not overly familiar with some of that stuff, I would re- be really interested to hear what you think watching it, basically. <laughs> but it's a big I commitment. It'd be a, it'd be a slog for an obvious yeah, fan, personally. Exactly. Yeah, how long is it? The whole nine hours thing? about? <laughs> no, it's like Quite seven a and a half. Time, yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's two and a half, three, and then like two and a half and again. Two twenty. Eight hours. Yeah. And then okay, eight hours. It's long. Yeah. It's, it's, um, but yeah. There is also yeah, like one other, that. one last little bit I want to talk about. It's just yeah. the most wholesome scene ever when Billy Preston first comes into oh, the studio. So, so he, he's a, a, a pianist, keyboardist, I guess, who um, used to play with them on gigs in Hamburg when they used to tour in Hamburg with, um, who was he with? Uh, Little Richard. Little Richard, that was it. He was just like a session musician, I believe. And he was just meeting up with them and he decided to jam with them while they were working on some songs. And then these were songs in the clips it's implied that they're kind of struggling with just to find the heart of mm-hmm. them and then as soon as he starts playing the organ with them it just like completely changes like you see all the smiles in their face come up and they just they see their songs yeah. in a different way well, they basically tricked him into becoming the fifth Beatle yeah. for two albums <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very funny but like he's just like you can see on his face he's like you want you want me to be on the record and then mm. he's just like and they're just like yeah he's like yeah, go on then. Yeah. <laughs> like, Never talk about like, money or anything like that. It's yeah, just like, like nope, yeah, I'm doing yeah, it. Yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'll be on a Beatles album. Why not? Yeah, but just oh, watching like amazing. Paul McCartney's face light up when he starts. But what is it? I got a feeling why he starts playing. The, oh, what mm-hmm. is it? I think it's I got a feeling. Yeah, and he starts playing the organ in it, and then all of a sudden he's like, now this is a song compared yeah. to what they oh. were before. Oh, it's so it's, it's so beautiful to watch. Yeah, I'm sure if you're not a Beatles fan, I mean, some people seem to be ang- get angry when you say you like the Beatles. I, why? I don't understand it. They're good. <laughs> yeah. You know? Someone then again, say we'll get onto that best. later because yeah. I I definitely angered someone over Imagine Dragons, so I'll apologise <laughs> for that later, but also explain why I'm right. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, there we go. Uh, the Beatles get back if you're a Beatles fan and you haven't watched it by now. Do it. Yes. Um, do you know what, Emma? Let's go on to your film next. Oh, your we've we've spoken about West Side Story. We've got two versions of that now on film as maybe like you know two of the greatest musicals ever made. We've got we've got. Eight hours there of chronicling the be- chronicling even the Beatles making some of the best music ever made. You've watched Home Sweet Home Alone. I have. I hope you're ready to get Christmassy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the like. I don't. I have not read about this film. What is the outline? Obviously, it's a semi sequel to Home Alone. I'm guessing. Yeah. So it's like similar premise, but updated and slightly different. And I like Wait, it. I'm going to so say that straight up. Is there a kid like home it. alone? Is, is there... there is a kid home alone. Is it like, um, okay. it's not a, like an actual sequel though, isn't it? Isn't it? Like, do they talk about Kevin McAllister at any point? Yeah, yeah. So they talk. Whoa, what? So the law? There's law. There is, is he like Thanos? I thought it was like a, <laughs> like a spiritual sequel. Like, um, like one that was like the same or a sequel in the terms of it's a kid being stuck home alone for Christmas. And that was it. I thought that was the connection. No, they're burning out the home alone universe. Oh with my the... God. It's serious business. So like you'll hear about Kevin in the film. Um, <laughs> in what way? Like who's the, what this guy? Like oh, English that kid family left home well. alone. <laughs> okay. So I'll talk about like, I'll go in with the premise first. So like, okay. You know, okay. And then we'll talk about like, yeah, the law and stuff. I mean, I've, I've got a lot of questions about this film, by the way. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad. I'm ready to get like deep into it. Okay, so yeah, like if you know Home Alone, you know that there's a kid Home Alone and then you've got like the two 
Wet Bandits, who are after Kevin. I'm only going to like reference the first two Home Alone movies because yeah. I just don't want to talk about the other ones. But mm-hmm. yeah, so here you've got, instead of having the Wet Bandits, you've got like a couple and they okay. are actually, they do have mm. a family, but it focuses on a couple who's Ellie Kemper and Rob Delaney. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good. So, those are two good people to have in it. It's yeah, a it's, a, it's a good cast. It's a good cast. Um, so basically, they've sort of fallen on hard times, and they need to move because um, they need okay. the money. And so they have an open house for people to come, like look at their house, and they end up losing an item that they like. Then later find it's actually worth quite a lot of money. Ah. So the movie okay. is them trying to get that item back, and I get it. Okay, and so how that how how is Kevin McAllister? How is the law? <laughs> is this heirloom something f- of his? So it's nothing. To, that's nothing to do with Kevin McAllister. Okay, so okay. they, I think the um, the new Kevin in this movie, the yeah. the kid that's home alone, is Archie Yates. I think he was also in Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah, he yeah. Was, yeah. So he visits like visits the house with his mum and they think that he's stolen the thing um so his family go away and leave him like classic home alone right. he's home alone and um at one point they're trying to get into the house and a police like officer turns up and you know because they have like a home alarm mm-hmm. and the police officer that turns up is actually Kevin's older brother Buzz Oh. oh well, that is that is. So fantastic. I was going to ask why yeah. is that? Because in the trailer they say the cop is called Buzz, and I was like, what is what are they doing? It's if Buzz, it's actually it's supposed to be Buzz, it's Buzz McAllister, yeah. And he, um... of course, he grew up to be a policeman. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, to be fair. it's a very yeah. strange scene. I'll be honest. Like, what has he just turned up and go? Oh, this happened to my brother Kevin, and then leave twice. Or... <laughs> he does mention that actually, <laughs> um, and he, I think, like, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, obviously, oh, no, but no. like, yeah, with. With his cameo, is it? He does reference that, like, this happened with my brother twice, and um, he kind of thinks that it's his brother playing like a practical joke on him, calling him to this house. Okay. Oh, um, okay. Which is yeah. quite I'm kind interesting. of imagining like they're building out some sort of MCU style thing here, and like in a few years' time, we'll have Archie Yates, Kevin McAllister, like we'll have all the kids from Home Alone <laughs> having to like I don't know, they're all staying at the same hotel where like the power goes out or something, and it gets raided by terrorists or something. It's like, Joe like they have to work out how to. Like yeah, Joe Pesci, like, like Samuel full, L. Jackson or something. It's, like, it's a full hard 18 version <laughs> where like there's a terrorist attack on a hotel and the, all the kids have grown up from home alone have to work out how to solve this situation. I might write that and yeah. sell it to nah, probably. whoever makes Disney, I think it is. This is on Disney Plus, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think it came out on Disney Plus sort of around the beginning of November. Beginning of November for a Christmas. Yeah. What are they I think doing? it was it's like the 10th or the 11th or something. Um, yeah, they're, they're fully on it. Does it like, I assume it follows like almost all the beats from the original Home Alones, right? Do they have like a scary person in the neighbourhood who terrifies the kid? Um, things I like don't that. think they do actually, which is, I oh. thought like having someone like that, that would have been really great if they had um, more of the cast coming in with those kind of characters. Yeah, but they could have had to, it been like Marv from the Wet Bandits. As yeah, well. like that would have been really cool. But <laughs> Get Joe yeah. Pesci in. 
They um, still like they reference the movies like they'll say like lines that you'll like recognize from the films and stuff, and they have like that like gangster movie is referenced as well. Oh, the like, angels with dirty secrets, something like that. Oh, like, filthy yeah, souls like, or something. All like of that stuff. Dirty faces, in. angels yeah. with dirty faces. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I well, we haven't actually asked the key question here. I see that this film has a three point five rating on IMDb, Anna. <laughs> um, but you you actually told me earlier you think it's a masterpiece and maybe film of the year. Whoa. Oh my gosh, I wouldn't go quite that far. I think one thing that I really like about this film is that with Home Alone one and two, you've got like the kid who, to be honest, isn't exactly the best behaved kid. Like he's not a little angel; he's pretty okay. naughty, right? Yeah. But you've got like the classic bad guys in the Wet Bandits, right? Like. These are characters, they're, they're horrible people. They're going into people's houses, they're stealing stuff, and mm-hmm. they're also just turning taps on because why not ruin the house as well? Like, Call a card. Yeah, it's horrible though. <laughs> Whereas like with this new movie... <laughs> they are nasty people. They are. They're not nice. <laughs> I like, okay, like, every time you say wet bandits, for some reason I'm really thinking of, because I know Cali prefers the second film, he's thinking they're called the Sticky Bandits. Sticky Bandits. I, I do prefer <laughs> Home Alone 2 to Home Alone 1, actually. I like Home Alone. <laughs> don't get me wrong, Home Alone 1 is great. But if I had to pick one or two, I'm picking Home Alone 2. They're both Home Alone brilliant. 1. I like. Yeah. I like. Do they not change actually. the name? Are they actually called bandits in these films. They call have a gang name or anything. I don't think that's the thing. Because they're just a husband say. and wife duo, right? So it's yeah. Not like... What I like about them is you don't you don't hate these people, even though they're kind of like they're trying to get into the house, and obviously they're they're getting uh, hurt by all these traps yeah. and stuff like that. Are these are these still borderline deadly weapons being used against them? Like, should they have died multiple times? Uh, in some cases, I'd say, yeah, you've still got, like, your paint cans, like, down the stairs and stuff like that. Like, a lot of them look like they, they would These children it, isn't it? It's, it. it's like, yeah. it's almost like Roadrunner style, like, you know, like, violence, where mm. it's like, in real life, this would destroy you. Yeah. I know it's yeah. been getting, we're saying it's getting quite panned, review-wise, but, like, how, I say this not having actually seen any Home Alones apart from one or two. How bad can that concept be for kids? Like it's just a ho- it's just a kid at home kind of cools in habit. You've you've seen like you've seen some bad Home Alone in your time, Dave. I've like. seen three. That was enough. Oh, was and enough then I've kid. seen the covers of the other ones, and I was like, no way, <laughs> <I've seen> the- <laughs> like, that is not for me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe kids will like it. Who I maybe I'll so. put it on. But then again, why are Home the Alone family- one and two exists? Why would I? Why are the family British? In America, do they talk about that? I just thought it was odd. Yeah, I think I think they've just moved there. Okay. Why not? It sounds like yeah. they just wanted it. It was stunt casting. Or they wanted to cast that kid and then they were like, well, we need his family to be British then. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've got to know. match it up. <laughs> what would you, um, if you were home alone, what um, using stuff in your house right now, what would you design as a trap? Oh. I know, don't you probably just pick up a bat and hit someone I've got that's a bag not of tools what a kid would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know I'm trying to think what I'd do maybe that's a good feedback question IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com what would your your favourite what would your home alone trap be for when you're at home I don't, I don't know Like, I'd maybe use some Lego because what's worse than stepping on Lego I mean it's like, quite painful yeah uh, they go for it in the in the original film obviously they had the back when you used to have I guess it was glass baubles or plastic baubles oh, that can actually cause some major damage. You don't really get that anymore, do you? The baubles just squish into your feet these days because they're, they're all like bounce, cheap plastic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. Not as deadly anymore. No, no, kids aren't as deadly these days. Um, <laughs> there we go. The I'd world's say gone mad. One thing I will say about this, I'm not 
saying that it's on the same tier as like Home Alone 1 and 2. I feel like those are movies that you can't touch. But Mm -hmm. I think if you're looking for a Christmas movie to sort of ease you into the Christmas spirit, you know, it's the beginning of December, you're looking to Mm -hmm. sort of start feeling a bit festive, I'd say this is a good one to watch. I'm worried though that the (laughs) new kids are going to watch this film and think this is the good one. And dismiss the old uh, ones, like uh, you know how like some of those weirdos that like love the Phantom Menace and things like that, and they think prefer well, like Jesse, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they were the, because they were the right age that grew up on that, and like it's you know I have films that I know are bad, fundamentally bad, because I wa- but I watched them as a kid and I think they're mm-hmm. good, like Hook, <laughs> which <laughs> I know is a bad film, but I love it. Oh, don't, yeah, don't I love her. Tell Stephen that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I feel like with I feel like Home Alone one and two still with all the traps and stuff, those are still the most, they're the most deadly still. And I feel like kids will still love watching kids those simply because deadly. they're just wild. I mean, yeah. They're arguably <laughs> the best Christmas films ever. Like they're up there is maybe yeah. the best. So like, Definitely. yeah, it's, it was always going to be hard to reach those heights, but do you know what? Emma's giving it kind of a half thumbs up there. It's not, it's not, it's not a full thumbs up. It's not a thumbs down. It's yeah, a, I think put it on, give it a watch. And like, I don't know about you with Christmas movies and stuff, but when we start watching films, we sort of start off with like the okay ones at the beginning of December. <laughs> then sort of as up. you get into the <laughs> teens and sort of the 20s, that's when what, you put on the top tier ones. What are we talking? What is top tier for you? Do you have a controversial top tier one? Because everyone kind of has like, you know, Home Alone, Elf. I don't personally think Elf is, 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 is brilliant, up. but a lot of people love Elf. Elf's good, but you know when you feel like you've seen it too many times yeah. and you're like, it's okay, <laughs> but like it sort of irritates me at this point as well. I feel like it's definitely one of those films for me in the first half. I really enjoy it when it's just silly and it's just Will Ferrell doing stupid things. As soon as it gets into the second half and they get onto actual plot and stuff, I'm like, I don't need a plot here i just want will ferrell saying stupid things as a giant elf um i don't know like my favorite is my favorite is a controversial one um but it is jingle all the way every christmas eve i put on jingle all the way that's another one that fundamentally is a very bad film but i still like it because i watched it as a kid Mm -hmm. it is i think it's a a great christmas films kind of you can forgive them for being bad can't you it's like almost so bad it's good and like just because you watch it every year it's like okay well it's tradition that like, I have to watch this. Like, yeah, I'd mm. say Jingle All the Way is up there for me. So it's like Scrooged. I really like Scrooged. Oh, I do. You know mm. I never properly watched that. I never like watched bits of it. But maybe I prefer the Muppets though. Christmas Carol. To be honest, that's my nice. both good. Yeah, both good. There we go. Let us know what your favourite Christmas films are because we are rattling increasingly fast towards Christmas at the moment. So IJN underscore UK feedback at IJN. need a Christmas com. movie advent calendar. Like you said, Emma, you start off we with do. The, the less good ones and then move up to the classics. Yeah. I open my uh, advent calendar just before this. I am, uh, in three months, I will be 30 years old, but I have still got an advent calendar. <laughs> Which uh, one have you got? You do you. Do you. <laughs> I've got a Capri's Heroes Ooh. advent calendar. Ooh, um, this nice. morning, I had the the pleasure of opening and finding a mini double decker which is an incredible treat that's really Uh, good i know i had a fantastic (laughs) fantastic where do you get this coming starting off strong it's only like the third and they're bringing out double deckers the first one was cream egg second one was um twirl 
You can't put oh, cream egg in an advent calendar. Sorry. That's a bit that's, weird, isn't it? That's yeah. mad. Because they're in the heroes. But they the, only the, sell cream eggs for like three no, they months don't of the year. Get, like they? cream egg chocolate bars now any time of the year. What what is what has happened to the world? This has, like, been, this has been around <laughs> for ages. But this I like being told I'm only allowed to buy cream eggs for like three months of the year and then, then strip it away. Nah, nah, nah. nah. <laughs> Emma, what advent calendar have you got? I, I know you've got one. How how did you know? <laughs> because because you definitely you've you've already watched Home Sweet Home Alone. So, of course you've got an advent calendar. You were in a meeting yesterday where we could see your Christmas tree behind you. It just popped up. It's like you're into Christmas. You're um, into it. I love Christmas. It's like my favourite. You've literally time got of a year. big red bag behind you. <laughs> yeah, says exactly. Merry Christmas on it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's all the leftover decorations. So this year we've got a lint. Um, oh, like someone's I'm going very premium, very premium. Yeah. I haven't opened it today yet, though, but I'm hoping that it's just going to be one of the little flat um, bars. I prefer mm-hmm. those to like, I like lint lindors when they're in like the big box, but the little yeah, small, yeah. like tiny chocolate balls, they're not as good. The ball, yeah. oh, I don't I, think I, there's yeah. a better chocolate in the world than a lindor ball, personally. That is Blimey. top tier. That is incredible. Just the Dale, you're, you're yeah. Um, any of them. Any of them. I just any like the flavor. balls. There's so any many, of the Lindor there? balls. Yeah, yeah. Um, Doe, you, you're far too old and miserable for an advent calendar, aren't you? Uh, yeah, sort of. So I don't have one this year, but that's not for any reason. It's just because I forgot to get one. Um, uh, I did have one last year now? and the year before, so it's fine. There we go. It's an excuse to eat chocolate every day. Why would I not want that? That's very true. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Um, also let us know what advent what's the best advent calendar you've ever had you can get any these days so I because I, I decided nice this year I um because it's been what like, like 20 odd I don't know how many years I've been getting having calendars, like 25 years, I don't know. My parents have got me one every year. So I was like, do you know what? I'm going to give back this year. And I got them a beer advent calendar, Ooh. which they can share between them for the whole month. So <laughs> every day they get them. a new can or bottle of beer. Well, you know, you know you're not getting them one each. They're not cheap. Um, <laughs> but also, yeah, a can of what? So like every morning they're down in a can of beer? No, they, you don't You don't have to open it and drink it straight away. That's not how it works. You should stare at them until they drink it. Like, just, I bought you this. Drink it. <laughs> Drink it now. Breakfast beers. Uh, exactly. It's the third of December. Let's get wild. Anyway, I've also watched one more film this week, which is not Christmassy in any way, and is as dark and moody as it gets. But I oh, loved shit. it. I watched The Power of the Dog, which is a new film. Recently came to cinemas, but just landed on Netflix. Um, if you don't know anything about this film, it's the new film from Jane Campion, who is one of the best directors around if you've seen any of her films or tv shows she did top of the lake with elizabeth moss i don't know that was on a few years ago it was incredible this is her new film which is an adaptation of a western book but it's not really like a west when you say western a lot of people i think think of you know like good the bad and the ugly like cowboys riding around shooting things it's not that sort of western it's much more it's if if anything and this is gonna if, if, if anything it's close closest to there will be blood that okay. i've seen and for more than one reason because johnny greenwood does also do the music for this film and right. it sounds a lot like that but it's at its core it's a psychological drama and it stars benedict cumberbatch as this kind of he's he's basically out in the west getting all these hides from animals this is his job he he, he gets hides from animals and he sells them on and he has a brother who's played by Jesse Plemons. If you could imagine oh. Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons as brothers. <laughs> and Sounds basically, they're living this life until one day 
Kirsten Dunst comes along, who is Jesse Plemons' real life uh, wife, which is a lovely touch. God, and in, basic, they're also in Fargo together, aren't they? As well, they so are. Yeah, they, wife, they yeah. love working together. Uh, it must be a lovely, what a lovely couple that is. Yeah. Um, but basically, um, yeah, Jesse Plemons character falls in love with Kirsten Dunst. This is all in like the first 10 minutes here. I'm not spoiling anything, don't worry. And Benedict Cumberbatch basically isn't happy about this. He does not like Kirsten Dunst or her son from another marriage who is played by Cody Smith-Murphy. All the performances in this are unbelievable. Like, I love this film. Like, Benedict Cumberbatch, I'm very hit and miss on, but in this, I think he's absolutely brilliant. He just plays this kind of dark, menacing character. I like him when he plays someone a bit darker. Mm -hmm. Like, even in Sherlock, I think it was best when he was being, like, not necessarily a good guy, if you know what I mean. You prefer um, his Dormammu to his Doctor Strange. Ab- ab- absolutely, <laughs> nerd. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. There's not. I don't want to spoil this film. It's, it's a very dark, moody two hours. It's quite slow. has an incredible ending. Like, and it's just kind of this... Re- I, I just recommend if you're looking for a new film on Netflix, then, yeah, I can't really recommend it enough i really enjoyed it i know it's not for everyone it has been getting good reviews generally i do think a lot of people will get turned off by it it's kind of you know you'll know within half an hour like if this is how long is it from the tone it's only two hours just over um it's not overly long i i really enjoyed it though and i think i tweeted like you can't really go wrong with jane campion and johnny greenwood together because that is a powerful sounds like it could potentially be like oscar bait is it that sort of it's not oscar bait but it definitely is in the discussion like i think she's currently favorite for the oscar director uh award and it's kind of yeah it's it's up there like i think it's at the moment it's a battle between that west side story belfast which is kenneth branner's new film um licorice pizza looming there as an outsider Um, if i hear kenneth branner these days all i think about is tenet and just like how stupid (laughs) i still think of dunkirk think of him in dunkirk oh yeah yeah smile yeah and then cry yeah Yeah. (laughs) um but yeah licorice pizza is hanging in there as an outsider got awarded i think by the national board of critics last night best film of the year so if you know me Licorice Pizza, best film. So anytime that wins an award, you're going to bring it up now, just to sort of validate yep. your ten out of ten. <laughs> Look, it's not out. It's not out for a few weeks, but I'm going to keep mentioning Licorice Pizza until everyone has seen Licorice Pizza. Um, oh god, it's good. Is that just yeah, Power of the Dog? Licorice no, Pizza. Power of the Dog is on Netflix. Are you talking about Licorice Pizza? Pizza? Oh, yeah, Licorice Pizza. Oh, yeah. that's not even out in the UK for another month. Yeah, so uh, in, that will be cinemas only, though. I think for a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Power of the Dog. Get it in you if you want something dark to watch for a couple of hours. Um, <laughs> we haven't got anything else to really talk about this week, so I thought I'd take the opportunity to go back to my list of films by decade that I like to recommend to people that maybe, you know, like we say, the films that you may not have seen, not the biggest films or necessarily the best films from that decade. And you know what? I'm going to jump around. I've been doing it in chronological. I'm going to go most recent. I'm going to pick five or six films here from the 2010s that you may not have seen, that you should see. And the first one on that list... Social Network. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe the best film of that decade. No, no, no. It's not on that list. It's far too obvious. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with You Were Never Really Here. Okay. Has anyone seen that? Yeah, I haven't seen that. very good. Mm -hmm. So... Talking about dark films, this is, I said, this is as dark as it gets, this film. It's mm. by Lynn Ramsey, came out in 2017, and Joaquin Phoenix kind of plays this sort of traumatised veteran who basically like, tracks... 
tracks down missing girls for a living. He's kind of a vigilante, like it's a very dark version of man. Taken. Basically. Kind of, yeah, yeah, in that sort of way. It's a like it is unflinchingly violent and dark yeah. at times. Like it's not a laugh, and it's not necessarily a Christmas <laughs> film, but God, is it good? Um, yeah, it's and it's only. Do you know what's great about this film? I think it's like an hour and twenty-five minutes. Yeah, I was just going to say that it's really short, from what I remember. I always yeah. also remember seeing the marketing material for it, thinking it was like a documentary. I guess that's because of the mm-hmm. name. But yeah, it's not that at all. Yeah. Well, it's because it's similar to what was the like faux yes. documentary Wacky Phoenix did. He was in it when he went on chat shows and he was uh, pretending to do be something. Was it like, I'm not here? It sounds like something that, isn't like it? that, yeah. Yeah. Um, where yeah, he was going odd for a few years there. He's an off man, but he's also maybe, maybe our best living actor. Who knows? He's up there. Um, and why not go for another Wacky Phoenix film while you're at it? Why don't we go for The Master from Paul Thomas Anderson? Um, <laughs> A lot of people haven't seen this film, and and it hurts me. I'm hurts still me here, girl. by the way, is the documentary. There we go. Yeah. Have you seen The Master? I haven't. But I always, oh. I know I should, because I, you know, I don't do like the majority of PTA films that I've seen. Yeah. So, yeah. and I like Wacking Phoenix, so I know I should watch. It's about a photographer, though, right? Is that? Not, not really. Like he okay. does play. Like for about two minutes in the film, he photo- he photographs people. But it's, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's Wacking Phoenix. who's kind of this lost. It's set just after World War Two, and he's this person who obviously fought in the war. And it's about these people basically that, and he is one of them who kind of came out of World War Two and didn't have a place in the world. Didn't know what they were doing. Didn't have a job. Like just like aimlessly wandering. He kind of turns to alcoholism. But like okay. that's kind of the opening of the film. But then he meets Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, who, like, this is maybe the best performance in a film I've ever seen. Philip Seymour Hoffman in this film, he is unbelievably good, and he basically plays this cult leader in a sense. It's kind of the J.G. Ballard Scientology story, but not okay. really. It's kind of based on that world. And yeah, Wacky Phoenix's character is kind of sucked into it. Amy Adams plays Philip Seymour Hoffman's wife. She, I think she was nominated for an Oscar for it. Like, okay. you've got Johnny, Johnny Greenwood's music again. It's just a brilliant film. It's two hours, 20, I think, roughly. It's like, again, it's like a moody piece. It's Ooh. PTA's most serious film. There's not really, there's maybe one or two laughs in it. Like, normally you get a bit of comedy in this film. This one's quite straight, plays it quite straight. I see, uh, but Jesse it's also, is in it as well. Jesse Permans is also in it. Rami Malek's in it for a little bit as well mm-hmm. before he was really well known. Um, yeah, again, a brilliant film. It's never really on on streaming services, which is annoying. Mm. It's not easy to get. Um, I've got I've got the Blu-ray, of course I do. You but, can watch you it know. on YouTube for two pound forty nine. So there we go. Maybe worth let's it. let's continue. Like I just realised, so many of these are really dark films. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Like this is not Christmassy at all. <laughs> the killing of a sacred deer. <laughs> If you watch that, no. God, no. this is dark. Um, so this is uh, Colin Farrell plays a doctor, and Nicole Kidman plays his wife, and he has three—is it three kids? It's two or three kids. I can't remember now. It's been a few years since I watched it. This is another incredibly dark film. It's basically a retelling of a Greek tragedy okay. story, and he's like. Colin Farrell plays this surgeon who kind of just is living his life, but then he kind of has this odd relationship. He keeps mating with this like teenage boy played by Barry Keehan, who is, if you know Barry Keehan, is is one of the creepiest looking actors on earth. He's in Eternals, he's in Green Knight. You'll know his face as soon as you see him. Like, 
he's a brilliant actor but like he plays this kind of odd child who doesn't really have a father and he kind of gradually kind of encroaches into their life in increasingly unsettling ways it's a really dark film <laughs> and it's, it's it's not an easy watch but easily one of the best films of the last 10 years i'd say it's by um i'm gonna absolutely butcher the pronouncer the pronunciation of uh yorgos's second name it's yorgos lanthimos's film he did um i've completely forgotten the names of his films i've gone mad um he did like the lobster and he did what was the the um olivia coleman one where she won her oscar she was oh, playing the, the um the, the queen one um the favorite yeah the favorite he did yeah. that as well um Whereas that film has quite a lot of humour to it, this film does not have a single ounce of humour to it, is, is another. But yeah, um, Killing of a Sacred Deer, get that. I think that's currently just uh, arrived on Netflix as well. I think you never really hears on Netflix as well, so both of those are easy to watch. Let's go for some lighter ones, why not? Inside Lewin Davis is a Coen Brothers film. I would say they're best Coen, the best Coen Brothers film for quite a while. Again, a lot, a lot of people have seen it. It's kind of similar to the music theme we were talking about earlier, Dale. It's kind of like yeah. someone writing music and just like a... Um, he's got uh, Oscar Isaac's playing like a lonely musician trying to make his way in the world. It's just a very nice film. And again, I think it's only like an hour and a half or so. It's quite short. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I imagine you like this film. I'm never sure. Like, I was some mixed opinions on Coen Brothers stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I really love some of the stuff and then I really like find some of the stuff quite boring as well. So I'm never, it's always like, it feels like a roll of the dice every time I put one of their films yeah. on. I, I, I really like them. You've also got um, Oscar Isaac singing along with like Adam Driver and Justin Timberlake, which is just a good time. Um, is this before yeah. Star Wars as well? Like 2013, yeah. Uh, it would have been 2013. Yeah, yeah this is when so Adam Driver was still like, yeah, making his, making his way. Uh, why don't we go for another one here? Another person trying to make their way in in New York City, another artist. We've got Francis Ha, which is a film I don't think many people have seen, but it's unbelievably good. Never heard of it. What's it Uh, called? Francis? Francis Ha. It's the name of the the, uh, woman in the film. She's played by Greta Gerwig, who kind of plays an aspiring dancer in New York City. And it's all about, like, it's relatable to anyone. Like, I, I was certainly in this place, and I imagine a lot of people in this place kind of early 20s kind of wondering where you're like kind of wandering through life wondering you know what am I going to do like what where is my career going like what am I going to be and it's kind of got that it's kind of just it's not overly long and it's just really it's really funny at times it is in black and white but it's Mm. set in uh modern day and it's just a really (laughs) fun film it's also I, got I really Adam Driver it. in it as well. It has also got Adam Driver in it as well. <laughs> I, there's, there's themes here. Um, but yeah, Greta Gerwig is incredible in it. And it's just a really... I think that might also be on Netflix or Amazon, Francis R. But um, yeah, that's one... That's probably the most obscure on this list. But I would, I would recommend it to anyone who's looking for a nice, sweet, funny, melancholic film. So mm. there we go. Those are my five for the 2010s. Hopefully you watch them all and you love them all. I guarantee you the not everyone will love them all. Like, yeah, the definitely ma- get the mask yeah, going. I, need to watch I watched it again last week and I still don't 100% understand the film, but oh. I know I love it to death. <laughs> no, okay. it's not, com- it's not <laughs> no. complicated. It's not complicated. I mean, I'm not 100% sure what I interpret from the okay. ending, if you know what I mean. 
I think I know, and I'm pretty sure I know, and I don't want to say it because that'll obviously. Uh, well, that's the beauty of great art, right? Exactly, yeah. and that's why Paul Thomas Anderson is the daddy. Um, <laughs> shall we do an endless search? Yeah. Yeah. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah, 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 on the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, on the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got question for you. Is it in the search? Emma, I believe you have a Christmas treat for us. I do. I'm bringing us back to Christmas once again. Back to so why are alone. we like so obsessed with Christmas right now? It's December well, 3rd. <laughs> You know, it's December now. We've talked about Home Alone. I suppose yeah. it all just sort of Christmas organically became on. a Christmas episode, didn't it? It's just exactly. There. We only have a what? We only have what? Two more epi- two, three more episodes before Christmas. Like we've got to start getting into the spirit that of it. That's true. That's so true. Why exactly. not start now with a Christmassy sort of quiz thing? Let's do it. All right. So <laughs> we spoke about Home Alone, and I know both of you know. I imagine quite well Home Alone one and two pretty well, right? But we're going to test that today. I did a to face see. to say yes, by the way. Sorry, yeah, I realise yeah, it's an audio podcast. Right <laughs> I know, I know, Home Alone two fairly well. Like Home, I'm, I'm definitely going to blur some lines here between. Yeah, they, they, that could be an issue. Yeah. Okay, That's well, fine. we're going to keep it short and sweet. It's just five questions. Oh, Three okay. are from Home Alone one, two from Home Alone two. So oh, Dale on. might have a slight advantage, <laughs> yeah. but we'll see. We'll I see. also have a shockingly bad memory, though, so we'll see. It's Even the big playing Home field. Alone quiz. Oh okay. God! Are you ready for your first question? How how does I, this work? Are we like first to shout out the answer gets it, or is it question yeah. each? Let's just do it. For whoever okay. shouts it out, yeah. Okay. 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 Woo. So this kind of already came up, and I was trying to like stay quiet when you mentioned it. But <laughs> <laughs> here we go. So in Home Alone one, what is the name of the fictional gangster movie that Kevin plays when the <laughs> wet bandits show so, up at his house? Uh... I think it's. So I think in the second one, it's a different name. There's a different film, so that's why I I'm think it's. Yeah. I think it's Angels with Dirty Faces. That's um, what I think it is. Yeah, it's definitely Angels with, but then in the second one, it might be. I can't remember which one's which. So I'm going to say like Filthy Souls or something like that. Dale has it. Yeah, no. it's Angels. <laughs> But I think, to be fair, if you do type in, like, Angels with Dirty Faces into Google, I think it might be a real movie. I really, <laughs> so hope, I really What I really hope is that is not some sort of porn parody I've watched oh. and I've subconsciously oh, gone dear. into my head. You filthy animal. not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not Planet of the Apes, it's not. No, but that's the line. In, oh, never mind. Oh, never mind. it's fine. We're going, we're going all over the place <laughs> Keep now. the change, you filthy animal. You don't remember that? Come on. I do remember that now, yeah, but I also... <laughs> Remember the more iconic line from Planet of the Apes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's Angels with Filthy Cells. But Angels with Dirty Faces is a 1938 American gangster film. Maybe they based... Maybe what I've got in my head is that they based it on yeah. that they, original film. The second film definitely has a different film. The same cast is like yeah. a sequel. So I don't know what they call it in that. But I just know too much Isn't about the like history of cinema. That's my problem. That's really my problem. Yeah. Perhaps. I'm not sure. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> One nil to Dale. Okay, next question. This is also Home Alone, the first movie. Cool. Um, Kevin sits down for like a candlelit dinner towards the end of the movie. What meal has he prepared? Uh, Microwave lasagna, is it? 
No. It's like a microwave meal, but I don't know what it is. It is a microwave meal. Is that it? Just is it just a mic? Is it? He says what it is, and it's not lasagna. Oh, okay. Um, is it just a microwave roast dinner? Is it just no, no. <laughs> spaghetti bolognese? Uh, <laughs> think like more American. Okay, what would be more American? Um, meatloaf. I don't know. <laughs> It's an American microwave meal. I don't think yeah. I've ever microwaved a meal in America. Um, um, meatloaf. I said no. meatloaf, but it's not. That. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's not coming to me. Yeah. Okay. It's microwave mac and cheese. Oh. And a glass of milk. Could have guessed yeah. that. Could have, could have got there. That's, that's on us. I don't know why you'd want milk with mac and cheese. That feels uh, like a lot of people a like, too heavy. A lot of people like having milk with dinner. I've never got it. Yeah, yeah personally. No. I rarely do I ever just pour a glass of milk, though. That's ever. true. I don't ever do that either. Milk for I don't cereal, mind an evening milk. All. A nice evening <laughs> glass of milk. An evening milk. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like what a baby It's the name would of do, your though, first right? album, Evening Milk. <laughs> evening Milk. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is the last question for the first Home Alone movie. What does Kevin say when he sees a photo of Buzz's girlfriend? Woof. Yeah. Yeah. Do you watch this every day? I've I've seen it a lot of times when I was a kid. That's easy. Anyway, Buzz's girlfriend, woof. I've watched two so i'm still gonna get the ones on two wrong but i've I was seen hoping two you were so gonna, many more times you were gonna ask who, what the name of the guy with the shovel was i was ready for that answer as well Old really? Harley. <laughs> there you go i You've know got that, some nice little um, fun facts thrown in as well <laughs> <laughs> i know that um that i think is it the mum when she tries to get back she only gets as far as scranton which is where the office oh, yeah. the u.s office is mm. there we go there's my, there's my fat that's not getting me any points. What's the, name <laughs> yeah. of, uh, what's the name of John Candy's band? I can't. I know it's a poker thing, but I can't remember what they're called. Uh, God, John Candy's good. Yeah. He's great. All what right. we got next? Home Alone 2. Where are Kevin and his family supposed to be flying to? Paris, oh. France. It's in France. Wait, no, it's France the first film. I know, I think it is in France, isn't it? In the second one? It is in the US somewhere. Oh, okay. So it's France is the first film. Um, yeah. Los Angeles. Yes. Oh, it's, uh, no, um, Florida. Is it like Palm Springs or no, something like that? A tropical place. Dale's on it Tampa. with Florida. Yeah. It's Miami, Miami. Florida. Yeah. Miami. Yeah. So I said it. Because <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is they don't have Christmas trees there and because it's going to be warm. But it's actually like a thunderstorm. Your memory's really good. Like, <laughs> I had to double check because I was coming up with these and then I was like, oh, I need to make sure I'm actually like, I've got the right thing in my head. And that's what came up when I Googled it as well. Yeah. Can we do a quiz on the master? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Cardi we'll special subject is highbrow PTA films yeah. and I'm home alone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final question. How does Kevin manage to get a room at the fancy hotel in New York? He uses his dad's he credit uses card. His dad's credit card. I know that. And how does he book it? Over the phone. Oh, doesn't he use a voice chain? Like, doesn't he record? He records his own voice and then pitch shifts it down. Yeah. Yeah. 
So he records his dad's voice Boy. when That's they're right. like at home, and then he like replays it on the little talk boy. He's a clever little boy. Isn't he? Yeah, he's resourceful. He is like thinking on his feet like that. Like, yep. I had um, one of those talk boys. Let me tell you, it did not work as well as it works in the film. Really? <laughs> it was good though. I liked Can having you try it. Book a five star hotel. Hello, this is Kevin McCallister. Very good. Dale is the king of Home Alone. We have mm. discovered this. The Home yeah. Alone he, champ. Yeah. If he was ever left home alone, he'd survive. Oh, I've, I've, I think that. that's true anyway. Without seeing the <laughs> no, movies. No. I know that y- your wife does not l- ever leave you home alone. She's worried about you. <laughs> She's, yeah, this know, working from happen. home thing is going to be the death of us. <laughs> yeah, quite literally. Um, why don't we go on to some feedback? Dale. Yeah, this is from Dale. That's weird. It's not often. <laughs> My name is one of those names. It's like, yeah, it's it's kind of known these days, but you don't see it pop up that often. So when I see it, mm-hmm. it just brings a little smile to my face. Anyway, this is Dale Hall. And Dale Hall says, this is hard to say, but I'm disappointed in Cardi. His comments on Imagine Dragons last week hurt my soul. Until that moment, I always listened to Cardi. He seemed to have similar tastes to myself. For example, Marvel Avengers, the Marvel Avengers game isn't that bad. <laughs> I don't uh-huh. grind, but it's playable. <laughs> but to disrespect the dragons like that, the I dragons. guess I have to listen to another podcast. And to be fair to Dale, he put a winky smiley face at the end. So he's just having a okay. laugh. For God's sake, respect the dragon. The only dragons I respect are Theopathetus and his gang on Dragon <laughs> oh, Den. Yeah. Peter Jones no. is the best one. <laughs> Let's do a quiz about Dragon's Den. I'll be good on that. No, no. As well. <laughs> uh, yeah, reggae, reggae sauce. How much of... Was it 70% or 60% he sold for? No, I don't, um, I'm not doing an actual Dragon's Den quiz. Um, I don't know. Dale, do you have an opinion on Imagine Dragons? I don't want to bear like, all the brunt here. They're whatever to me. Like they've got. Yeah, a... I don't hate them. To me, yeah. they're. I mean, everyone likes different things. To me, they're just yeah. very middle of the road. Like I think I don't know who we were speaking to about it the other day, and this is going to offend some people as well. I, I kind of in my head that they're, they're the modern day Nickelback. Yeah. Oh, I mentioned it to me, yeah. and I was like, yeah, are they. I didn't realize they were hated, and I was like, are they like the modern day Nickelback? Yeah, it's like. Maybe they're I not. I don't know hate. if middle, to me, middle of the I road. Just, whenever is, I listen, I go, "This is boring." I don't know if middle road's the best way to describe their music, but I would say it's very ploddy and kind of samey mm-hmm. all the way through. And also, I just associate their music with adverts and stuff. That's what that, I was going to say. Yeah. They're advert songs now. Well, yeah. I know. No, I'm not alone. Have you watched this week's episode of Hawkeye? Yeah. yeah. No. They make well early on in that episode. They they make a joke at Imagine Dragons' expense. So you know. Everyone's yeah, the, the in jokes. on it. If, <laughs> they if, are Kate Bishop, if Kate Bishop isn't into Imagine Dragons, then neither am I. That's, <laughs> that's my stance on this. Um, but yeah, I'm sure people also listen to us speak for uh, about 15 minutes about the Beatles and went, I don't get the Beatles. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. It's all taste in it. Uh, I've got an email here from Peter McMillan, who says... Hey folks, in response to Scott from last week handing the controller to his partner, I've been a console gamer all my life. So naturally, I understand how controls between games intertwine and evolve over time on a controller. This past month, in a moment of madness, I decided to buy myself a gaming computer, and this tied quite nicely with the release of Halo Infinite. 
I loaded up my first match feeling quite proud because I knew what uh, WASD or WASD was and using the mouse to shoot through cultural osmosis. Until I realised I wasn't sprinting. Without thinking, I know on a controller, just press the left stick in and you'll sprint. But there is no left stick on a keyboard. <laughs> I realised I didn't know how to do anything I'd take for <laughs> granted on a controller. Reload, throw grenades or even pause the game. I played a couple of rounds on my controller after this, but couldn't help but feel at a disadvantage. I had to put myself into matches with bots to learn keyboard and mouse, and it was no fun whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I never realised just how intimidating controllers and video games can be until now. As always, respect the C. P.S. If anyone knows any good keyboard binds for FPS, let me know. Thanks. My hands were cramping. Emma, you know all about a keyboard. You, You love using a keyboard to shoot people. Uh, <laughs> have you got got any favourite keyboard binds? <laughs> I've actually got a mouse, which is like an MMO mouse. So it's got all the buttons on the side. It's got like, I don't have it on me right now, but it's got like 12 little buttons like mm-hmm. on the Jesus. side of the mouse. And I used to use that in CSGO all the time and it was great because then you don't have to like move your left hand from W, A, S and D. Right. Oh, so, so you like reload and jump and sprint and all that sort of stuff you had mapped to the mouse. Yeah, so what I would have is like switching between weapons. So like instead of having like anything basically that numbered um, would be mm-hmm. on the mouse. Um, and I found that was really good. I used the Razer Naga. Uh, I think it's called like Epic Chroma. It's got like a long name. But yeah, it's just the wireless mm-hmm. one. And it's really good for that if you don't like stretching your hands. Yeah. It's good if you want to have like push to talk on as well. You can have it on your mouse. Cool. It's really good. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same as... Uh... There, I just um, I'm sure if I sat down and tried a lot with mouse and keyboard, I could be okay. At it. But I, when I got my gaming PC, I tried playing a little bit of Warzone with keyboard and mouse, and I was just getting absolutely destroyed. Like I know that game inside out. Like I was walking up to boxes, going like, I don't know how to open this box. I should really look at mm. what the the keyboard is, uh, the keyboard bind is, and like I'm okay with the mouse. Like I can kind of aim and shoot, but then. Yeah, sprinting and moving at the same time. The movement's just the bit for me. Like it's completely different on a on yeah. a controller. And I I just felt even though everyone else was on keyboard and mouse, I still feel like I was an advantage just using controller and going up against them. <clears throat> because I'm there's like the, the opposite. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> I can't yeah. I can't play FPS on like a controller. It's like, just at it's all. it's muscle memory, right? And it's like when you get to the point where you're not thinking about what the buttons are playing, that's when you become competent. And if you're yeah. like, I'm yeah. the same as Cardi, if I'm playing on mouse and keyboard, I can do it, but I have to think about what I'm doing, what buttons I'm pressing. And then you've lost that second, that, that advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I might be good. I feel like it's how you, yeah. How much you know the game is more prominent. I think we proved that when like me, Dale and Jesse went up against three of our American colleagues at Rainbow Six Siege that's a couple true. of years ago. Now they're all playing on keyboard. We were playing on controller, but because we knew that game, we absolutely wiped the floor of them. Yeah. And I will never let Destin Legary forget. Oh, that. and the good thing about it is he's immortalised forever, saying laughing at us because we were playing with controllers, and then we absolutely <laughs> battered them. <laughs> yeah, I will bring that video out at the year anniversary every time. Of yeah. That video of uh, him saying that. Um, but yeah, there's so maybe get yourself a really nice mouse if you can, uh, Pete. That's. Emma's suggestion, I think, is maybe it's easier to remember it on the mouse than the keyboard. Who yeah. knows? Emma, you've got a piece of feedback. I have. This is from CJ in Nebraska. Hello all, hope you're doing well. As I contemplate buying Skyrim for what I think is the fifth time across various platforms and editions, I was wondering what game have you bought the most times? 
for myself that dubious honour goes not to Skyrim but Final Fantasy 7 yeah. which I'm pretty sure I've bought ironically seven times first when it came out on PS1 again on PS1 when I was in college after I'd sold all my PS1 games on PS Vita Steam PS4 iOS and then the remake if you count that Skyrim is however definitely the game I've started the most times and have never finished which leads me to my second question what game have you started the most times without ever finishing? I love the podcast and all of your other projects. Keep up the great work and begrudgingly respect the sea. <laughs> well, let's handle the first one first. I feel mm. like, I had a little think about this. I think it's probably, for me, actually GTA San Andreas. I think I bought that four times. So I bought it PS2. I bought it on yeah, Steam when it was on sale for like £3 one day, like I've also I got it on, bought it backwards compat on PS4 I think a couple of years ago, and then obviously there's the new remaster. Mm-hmm. So that's four different things I've earned San and on San Andreas on. I think. Yeah, I think that must be the most for me. Mine is, I mean Final Fantasy VII. I think every single one version he's mentioned that I think I bought as well. So um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that. But also, um, not necessarily the same game, but Tetris. Like I must have oh, yeah. bought a dozen version, different versions of Tetris over mm-hmm. the years. Like you must have has, must have had Resi one or two quite a few times on things. Yeah, as they well. haven't, yes, but I guess they weren't released that much. Like they were released on the original consoles, which I would have, and then they would be the digital releases on maybe like PS3 and then PS4 mm-hmm. as well. But that's probably it. Yeah. I suppose there was a period where they were releasing on GameCube and stuff like that as well, but. I, yeah. I just don't tend to replay games that much. I tend to... Like, I rewatch films all the time, but games I don't <coughs> tend to go back to. Emma, have you got mm. something you've bought loads of times? Probably GTA Five. Oh, yeah, I mean, think... yeah, they will not stop releasing Yeah, they stuff. just keep bringing it out, and for some reason I just keep buying it. <laughs> and what's the been on the <laughs> PS4 and the PS3 version? Well, and PC, I suppose. Oh, yeah, PC, okay, yeah, of course. And yeah. I will play it. What is it, February or March? I think. Yeah, said, I will buy the PS5 version as well. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great game. Yeah, they get me. GTA gets me. And um, in regards to games, I've started loads of times but never finished. I mean, I feel like I said this before. I think Bloodborne's the one for me. I think I've started right. Bloodborne five times now. The most recent time I played it, I did get as far as I've ever gone and was enjoying it to an extent, but I did burn out on it eventually. How far did um, you get? I got into what is the name of the boss that's kind of the giant dog in the church that's very vague for Sif, is it no 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 that's from dark souls no, no, no. that's I... from dark souls <clears throat> oh, i don't um, know what it's called uh i'm finding it now it was here's all the bloodborne fans absolutely screaming at me right yeah. now um it was vicar amelia i got up to vicar amelia and i was enjoying it but yeah at the same time i was like i've got other things to play now like i, I just can't carry on uh but yeah i think that's the one for me yeah i tend not to um constantly restart games like sometimes Mm -hmm. i have to keep going back to them but i'll kind of pick up where i was like i did it with Deathloop a few times i had to keep so i'd play stop playing for a couple of weeks then i'd go back and pick it up again uh but Mm -hmm. one that comes to mind is far cry 3 i've never finished far cry 3 and I've started that about four times. And that was only because I never really played it when it first came out. I played Far Cry 4 first. And it felt, always felt like a bit of a step backwards to me. And then it came out and then it got like remastered and stuff. And I tried it again. And I'd always get so far. And it just always feels a bit too dated to play these mm-hmm. days for me. 
Uh, so yeah, I guess that's probably my answer. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Emmy, you strike me <clears> as a as a completionist. You you don't let things not finish. I like I'll try and see something through to the end if I can, unless I really really don't like it, then I'll stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually, if I do sort of bounce off on something, I won't. I don't really often go back to it because um, mm-hmm. there's just so much to play. Yeah. But one game that I've started a lot, I have finished it like once, but I've restarted it a number of times after and got like so far through and then started again is Dark Souls. I just really like it. I just like going back into the world and like sort of trying to, you know, not speed run it exactly, but you know, like you'll sort of be sitting just watching like someone play a game on the TV and like my partner and I will be mm-hmm. like, okay, like try and do this boss like first time you like pass the pad between the two of you. Right. Like we'll just do mm-hmm. that sometimes, like that especially around fast. Christmas. That doesn't sound relaxing at all. <laughs> it's, I really <laughs> like Dark Souls, it's good. But yeah, yeah maybe like that, that game's not exactly yeah. relaxing. Like every couple of years I'll go back and play like Pokemon Yellow or Pokemon Emerald or something. Like those are just comfort games for me that I can just play whilst watching something or things like yeah. that but yeah i don't know i i, I kind of do it with tv like mm. i like i finally committed this time but lost is something i know that dale's now happy i'm watching but i watched the first episode of lost about three times before i finally committed to doing it which i i'm now halfway through season four so i'm well into yes, it mate. i'm enjoying it uh i just watched a great episode yesterday actually which the i constant say because I already already watched that one. I'm a few ahead of that one now, okay. but I won't because anything I say about that would spoil it for people. So I'll, after this, I'll let Dale know which one I just really enjoyed. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, let us know if you've uh, bought a game loads of times or started one loads of times and never finished it at IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN dot com. We've got. A, I mean, we had Beatles music last week, so we can't have it again. Boom. But we will go for West Side Story this week um i think i already played america a few months ago when we talked about it so i why don't feel we go with do that one no i want to go with the jet song oh i do I go with, you uh, when you're a jet right. yeah you've already got one. your mind made off it sounds like <laughs> yeah when you're a jet um yeah we'll go with that everyone go see west side story goodbye bye bye the jets are in gear the cylinders are clicking the shots are nuclear This is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing 
to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.